Hello, hello. This is Out and About in Canada. This is Glenn. And this is Juliana. And, uh, you know, we're back at it again this week. Two out of three, at least. Yeah, two out of three. Gerald is, like, on his deathbed or something. No! Knock on wood! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, Gerald is just, just not here. He's not feeling too well, but yes. he's resting at home to hopefully be back to his wonderful, normal, joyful self next week. Yeah, next week. So, Gerald, hello. This one's for you. Hi. Hi. We actually have, there's, there's like a box of Kleenex here as if you. Oh my God, it come. could be him. Yeah, it could be him. Here you we put go. It, put it over there. That's, that's going to be Gerald. Here we go. Right in face. Uh, yes, well, we've got a good show coming up. Um, one thing we we realized, and it's kind of shame on me, um, this is the <laughs> last week of uh, Black History Month, and uh, we've got a couple things. Well, it kind of actually kind of dovetails in with what we're going to talk about um, as well on the show. We've got Andy Holmes, who's going to come and talk about a uh, paper that he wrote on police in Pride Parades. It's a hot topic. I like how it does, like, it, Venn diagram it itself in there. It does, the Venn diagram. Yes. Yeah. We're all about that here. Uh, we got some news and events and music, and, uh, you know, we, we got all sorts of good stuff. All sorts of good stuff, as usual. As per usual. As per usual. I did have a song. I'm going to save it for next week, because I really wanted Gerald's reactions to it. Um, <laughs> That's the only reason you play anything, is just to see what he'll, his reaction. I guess. Yeah, really. Uh, Vivek Shraya um, has a new song uh, out, and it's called I'm a Fag for You. And I, 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 yeah, I, I really wanted to get his reactions. So we'll, we'll do like a first list, and we'll all give our reactions to the song next week, though. Don't give him the title. No. no. <laughs> No, no, no. Gerald, yeah, you weren't listening for that, right? Right, right. You, you just conveniently sneezed. Yes, yes, perfect. Joining us in studio is uh, Andy Holmes. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, so a little bit about Andy and why he's here. Uh, are you originally from Vancouver? I am, yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, he is, uh, you're currently doing your master's at U of T and incoming PhD student, so he's really smart. <laughs> Not necessarily. I'm overwhelmed. No. Yes, we're, we're outbrained here. And uh, he's, uh, he's, his uh, research focus is on queer social movements and some of the challenges that they experience. And um, he recently published an article entitled Marching in Pride, Debates on Uniformed Police Participating in Vancouver's LGBTQ Pride Parade. So where, where did this all start? So um, in 2016, um, Black Lives Matter uh, in Toronto uh, intervened, some say disrupted, I say um, they brought a very important conversation to um, to Pride Parade. So what happened in 2016 was Black Lives Matter Toronto stopped the parade for about 30 minutes and said, you know, um, we need to address some issues here. Some of those issues were the underrepresentation of... Um, uh, for instance, people of color within pride uh, parades, and one of the central critiques were the f uh, the, the featuring of uniformed police in pride parades. In 2017, um, this uh, became an issue for Vancouver, in which police were not allowed to wear the uniforms. And since then, over the past couple years, multiple cities in Canada and some of the United States have also um, gone forth uh, with uh, not allowing uniform police uh, to wear their, their, their uniforms in mm -hmm. private So I think it's important to really talk about the the context of pride and the history of, of pride parades, right? Because, you know, it, it's something that started in the last 50 years. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of pride? Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
Most people attribute contemporary pride parades to the Stonewall Riots in New York City in 1969. Prior to then, uh, throughout the 60s, there were also other kind of resistances that are often actually not talked about. So, for instance, there was uh, the um, kind of trans uh, cafeteria riot. There was one that happened in, to my knowledge, San Francisco. Um, And... Anyway, but to get back to, you know, what are pride parades? Pride parades started as a political march. They were not necessarily about um, celebration, but also about resistance to oppressive laws of the state and uh, specifically to the presence of police who were um, uh, essentially assaulting people in in a prominent um, kind of uh, lower class, heterogeneous bar in New York City, the Stonewall Inn. And since then, um, pride parades have happened. And I guess they've they've changed over the years, and you know, pride parades today, you know, they're they're not, you know, they're very different from from back when in 1969. And you know, right now they're re- they're very commercial. There's there's definitely a party atmosphere to it. You see, like branded brands joining in and just like throwing up the flag there just to mm-hmm. market themselves in as mm-hmm. well. It's become a commercial. It it, it has bit. it has uh-huh. it has and I, I think uh, some of that that change, you know, most of it's is positive in terms of you know uh, the the general acceptance in society of of the you know LGBTQ community and certain elements of it more so than others. Um, but uh, you know, one of the words that you used uh, in, in your uh, in your paper is homonormative. Uh, mm. Explain what that means. Sure. Um, so homonormative uh, is a term that refers to the idea that within kind of queer LGBTQ two plus communities, that there is a particular kind of um, member who is most normative to kind of heterosexual culture. It was termed by Lisa Dugan in 2002, who is an American Studies queer scholar, and um, homonormative, so to give an example, it would be someone who is palatable, someone who's respectable, someone who kind of fits in, you know, who's not really challenging social norms. Um, So an example that's often given, and this is where it gets really controversial because now we get into, like, identity politics, but it would be someone who would probably, you know, be be wealthier, um, perhaps perhaps white, perhaps cisgender, perhaps gay, and um, for instance, examples of someone who could be homonormative might be for instance, Anderson Cooper. I think Anderson Cooper is a good journalist otherwise, but um, and it's not necessarily bad to be homonormative but the question is um, is this what we're espousing to be like? Is this the new kind of normal? Is this what and who can and cannot be homonormative is a really important question because um that that delves into issues of inequalities within our society, and if people are privileging homonormative um, ideals, that's that's really quite sad. So to give you an example, there was um, a movie that thankfully did not do super well. Um, that was um, supposed to be a retelling of the Stonewall riots, and they created this completely fictional character who was very homonormative, and the fact a that... White man. Yeah, who was hold supposedly... Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what happened to Marsha? Yes, Marsha, absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. what? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, two important historical figures, to my knowledge, also commemorated in New York with some type mm-hmm. of monument recently. Yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it's important to recognize that they came from a very, like, working class, like, like 
background. I mean, they're both women of color. They're both trans, trans. women of color. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and this is, I think, important for people to understand is that um, some people um, believe that it's not actually clear if the police in the Stonewall riots were targeting people based on just sexuality or gender, but was it also like class? Was it also race? Because a lot of the members there, to my knowledge, were a heterogeneous group. So these conversations of class and race and gender are, are really relevant, and, and this is where the homonormative thing gets in, because homonormativity tends to, you know, put kind of a blind eye to those issues. It, it does, and I, I find it interesting because, you know, you, you use the examples of, you know, Anderson Cooper and, you know, Pete Buttigieg, and mm. is, you know... He's a great he, example of Buttigieg, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know, he's uh, the, the gay mayor of... A town in Indiana who's running for uh, the Democratic nomination in the U.S. Um, but there, there's a lot of the progress, if you want to use that word, the progress that that the queer community as a as a whole or or in general has made has been through you know things like marriage rights and equal rights and ownership rights and and. You know, some there's a certain segment of the queer communities that's like can stand up. It's like, yeah, we've we've got our victory, but that progress isn't felt the same throughout the rest Absolutely. of the queer community. Totally, and, and I, th- that's part of why this uh, I, I think the the policing in Pride has such uh, polarizing views in the community because the, you know because there's very different experiences from those who you know feel like there's a victory in equal rights because it's it's not afforded to everybody totally um, so you know you've mentioned some of the uh the segments of the queer community that uh, are excluded um what what is the really the, what is the really the history of um you know police with the queer community and you know you mentioned the Stonewall riots but you know in in canada you know are, are there some particular events that uh, that stand out it's a great question. So to my knowledge, at least in Vancouver, uh, police were in Pride Parade starting from 2002, so it's actually a while, and um, this is where things get complicated. So I, I definitely think um, there are a lot of police officers who, who do really want to improve their relationship with, you know, members of the queer community. You know, people will say, oh, there's like, there's some, you know, uh, gay and lesbian officers, um, and you know, it's 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 a really tough question because, on one hand, I think people are concerned that if we don't feature them in pride parades, that you know we're gonna you know make police not want to to continue to 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 perhaps change policies that might, um, for instance, reconcile that relationship. Um, in terms of the relationship, like the history of of police and, and queer communities, um, there's. Uh, there's research from a scholar named Emma Russell in Australia who terms this idea of police image work. And the argument of that is police deliberately try to um, present themselves as, as uh, supportive of, of queer LGBTQ, you know, two plus communities a- as a way to kind of cover up for other inequalities, which is problematic in many regards because it obscures um, ongoing, you know, investments or inequalities of the state. Now, this is where it gets really complicated because 
I do, and this is just my, you know, belief, I, I do believe that we should still be trying to work with police to improve relationships, change policies, address issues like racial profiling, address issues that face trans women, for instance, or non-binary people, and um, it's, 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 this is where we're in very <laughs> muddled gray territory. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think in, in your paper you did a very good job of um, kind of dividing the arguments into, you know, two specific buckets for those who who support having police and pride and, and those who who are gay so could, can you give us some of that uh what the kind of where the arguments fall into on both sides sure um so in general uh People who uh, wanted police and pride parades in Vancouver were uh, saying, well, we've gone a really long way, this idea of historical progress. So the relationships between police and queer communities or, you know, LGBT communities used to be quite fractured, and now to see them in their... Um, Uniforms is indicative of some really meaningful social change, and 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 in many ways that's that's really true. It's it's great, and it is a good um, sign of progress in that regard. Um, they also critiqued uh, the 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 presence of Black Lives Matter as a social movement in in Vancouver. So a lot of uh, people were saying, well, Black Lives Matter isn't relevant to Vancouver, um, and and I think that's in part due to the framing of Black Lives Matter as just an issue. But the fact is as well that we know when you look at, for instance, um, incarceration rates of of Black people in comparison to their national average, they're overrepresented in prisons. Same goes with Indigenous peoples, and I think that's a really glaring issue that should also be looked at. So, and and there's you know studies. Um, that you know that point to racial profiling that that you know indicates that you know anti-black racism is indeed an issue in Canada. Um, for people who did not want police to be in uh, uniforms, they also drew upon this idea of history. So while those who wanted police in the uniform said, "Well, we've gone a long way," those who said, um, "You know, police should, should should not be in the uniforms," were saying. Um, well, to wear the uniform is a symbolic kind of gesture that um, is 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 in some way. Um, not insulting, but like a slap in the face to people who are part of the community, the queer community, who are, you know, members of, you know, racialized groups that do continue to face police adversity. So the historical piece in that is, well, when you look at like, you know, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, who we were talking about earlier, um, and you look at the history of Stonewall, and we know that it was a coalition of, of not just strictly sexuality as a topic, but also race and class. And these issues continue to this day. So for instance, if there are members of the community who are members of color who are still experiencing um, racial profiling, it's, it, it's it, you know, the question of the appropriateness of the uniforms then comes into play. And I think that this conversation is so important because it's it, it, essentially the question that we're facing is, is queer politics or LGBTQ2 plus rights strictly about gender and sexuality, or is it also about race and class? And and I think the police presence um, controversy is a really good example of, of you know those multiple perspectives. It's very difficult to uh, try to put yourself out there as a group that is you know they have advanced in their uh, I don't know point of view on how they perceive you know LGBT people they support they help they protect and also ignore the other minorities that they do affect you you talk about this too in your article uh, using pinkwashing as the word right which I had never encountered until now sure yeah so pinkwashing is a term uh, uh, by Jasper Puar who's also a queer scholar at Rutgers University and pinkwashing refers to the idea that an organization will propose to be pro-gay pro-LGBT whatever um, 
in an attempt to potentially obscure their investments in other shitty things. <laughs> um, so people who did not want police to be in the pride parades uh, oftentimes articulated this critique of pinkwashing. Well, they're concerned that police are trying to, to, to do this kind of call it PR work, public relations opportunities, to, to, to show that they have support in order to kind of take away attraction from their, you know, their their investments in other types of um, oppression. So, for instance, like, we look at the Wet'suwet'en protests that are happening right now, and people might say, well, is it appropriate to have police in pride parades um, when there are members of Indigenous communities or Two-Spirit communities who, you know, would be affected by that? Um, but with that being said, I, I want to say I don't know if police intentionally are pinkwashing. I think that there could be a mixture. I think there are probably very well-intended police who, who genuinely are trying to improve uh, experiences and relationships, and to that I say thank you. But on the other hand, I think police should also be uh, cognizant that there are these critiques and concerns that um, their presence might be for those other reasons. I'm wondering, did you get the chance to uh, look into or speak to police officers who do identify? I uh, only, yeah, that's a really good question. I only interviewed one police officer. I have proposed for my PhD because I do want to continue a larger project looking at corporate presences, police and pride parades, larger questions of, of the history of social movements, queer social movements in Canada, and that's a future project I actually really want to do is to interview police because they might have a very different, you know, story and perspective, and it might align or disalign with uh, those who, you know, <laughs> critique their presence in the parade. God, I would love to hear their point of view. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is there a potential middle ground here? Is there um, some way for... You know, is there a compromise? Not that there needs to be a compromise, but is there a middle ground between these kind of two or four opposing views? That is a really good question. Well, in Vancouver, uh, police were wearing T-shirts that said VPD on them, so that was in some way, I think, a middle ground. It still indicated they were police, but it did not have the symbolic attachments of power associated with the uniforms. Um, in terms of other middle grounds, um, I, I, I think, and this is what I've told people, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the paper, this is just my, my belief, I think that this conversation is not just about police officers, but rather larger laws of the Canadian state that police just have to enforce. The solution does not end with police removing their uniforms. That's not going to necessarily change everything. It's a symbolic gesture of perhaps a step in, in, in a direction to, to try to create meaningful policy changes, but I think we also have to recognize that police are enforcing laws of the state. Politicians create laws that police then have to enforce. So, um, I don't know if it's middle ground or, or future directions, but we also should be, you know, questioning Canadian laws. So, for instance, um, um, I don't know, like, uh, the criminalization of the purchasing of sex work, for instance, involves police and also involves, uh, you know, I would say, uh, you know, lower class communities could be trans people who are also involved in like the sex trade or so not sex trade but sex work um so that's one example like this this is an example where policy would impact you know queer communities in which police would have to enforce laws mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just need a little clarification when you say uh police officers in uniform at the parade do you mean marching or just like part in the um because they all by law too they, there has to be like uh, police officers around f to For, like, pr block that off. protection and yeah. the crowd control, etc. Absolutely, yeah. Does great. This, yeah, yeah, does this just mean like they can't, they should, should it march in uniform or just like be present at all, other than like uh, 
providing the barrier necessary or just not there at all? That's a really good question. So to my knowledge, it's about them not being featured or celebrated in the parade. So to my knowledge, they're required by uh, city bylaws to blockade streets for any type of, you know, protest, march, um, parade. Uh, and I think there's a major difference because the, the focus on celebration in that context of what are we celebrating uh, <laughs> gets put up into question yeah. when someone is, is participating. I will say as well, though, um, there have been people who have critiqued and said, well, if police are allowed to be in the parade, why, why are you also allowing, you know... Um, corporate sponsorships or other, you know, like like TD Bank, for instance, or, you know, um, Walmart, for instance. Like, I remember I, I marched in the parade once, and there was Walmart right behind us. And, <laughs> you know, those are really good questions, too. Like, are, are, are police easier targets than others? I mean, we also know recently in Vancouver, UBC and the Vancouver Public Library were also um, uh, not allowed based on them allowing uh, uh, some uh, transphobic speakers to, to, to go forth. And I think... What what I can say though, and I think this is really interesting. I, I have to say, I think Vancouver and Toronto perhaps are, are are actually like one of the few exceptions in the world where there are pride marches. Is there's really a re a recalibration towards bringing like politics there. It's 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 we're we're saying wait, like we have to make sure that pride parades do not kind of deviate from the original roots of prioritizing those who face you know, the most systemic inequalities. And um, and I think that, you know, there are people who, who definitely are on board with that and people who are um, who, who are saying, no, 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 this is, like, detracting and, like, actually hurting, like, the, the overall goal. So ultimately, like, why does this matter? I think we have to ask, like, what are the overall goals of the movement? What do people want? And I think that's going to look very different depending on, on who in the community uh, we're, we're talking to. And, and you know, that, that's, that's the point is... You know, the, you, you talk about the LGBTQ uh, 2S plus community isn't isn't a homogenous group. You know, it, it's not it's not just one. You know, we we like to say on the show just queer to kind of uh-huh. include everybody, but you know, a, a gay man versus a lesbian woman, or someone who's non-binary, or someone who's bi, or someone who's asexual, or two-spirit. Like, th- there's very different experiences that they have. If we're talking about, you know, sexuality and gender identity or expression, and then if you layer on all these other, you know, elements of identity and in- intersections, it's a very different experience. Absolutely. Um, it's... We forget about that sometimes, and, and one of the things ab- about this uh, issue that I think I find very interesting is that it's brought some of these divisions to light, mm-hmm. or whether you want to call them divisions or, um, you know, differences, but uh, I, I think it, it helps that we, ha- that you know, we're exposed to these conversations. And, totally. And uh, it's... Uh, Oh, it's, it's 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 the challenge is we're trying to be as accommodating as possible and to be you know attuned to inequalities that specific groups are facing. The challenge that that then poses for social movements is what what causes do we then mobilize under and and is it easy to then you know tackle very concrete policies like when you have you know if if there's for instance a cohesive LGBT. Q, and then we also know that it could be 2 plus IA, you know, it could go on and on. But it tends to be easier to focus on particular policies when there's a very, like, coherent, like, everyone agrees upon things. But the, but the reality is, and I think this is the big challenge that we're facing, is there are so many issues that are, that are, uh, that are at, at question. And, and, and I think we're in a very, very particular moment in history right now because of that. 
Well, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming in and being on the show. Andy, did you have anything else, Juliana? Just a quick question, yeah. because uh, the this um, conversation you say, you mentioned off the air that it's kind of newer, like being brought into the light, being researched more um, in the more recent years than in the past, I guess. And you did mention the uh, Black Lives Matter movement that kind of blocked the Pride Parade in Toronto. Does Did this... Um, I don't know if you would know the answer to this, but did the uh, the bringing forth of this thought process of you know like trying to um, not have I'm having a hard time using words That's tonight. That's all good. Words, girl. <laughs> words, girl. Did it start in Canada? This whole movement uh, of tr- of uh, no off- uniform police officers in Pride. Did is this a movement that started in Toronto, started in Canada, t- and t- then like? kind of branched off into more of the states? Yeah, yes and no. Um, well, I think in Canada, so like Black Lives Matter, we know like started in the states and, mm-hmm. and you know, seeped into Canada. Um, to my knowledge, yeah, in 2016, Toronto was one of the first. To my knowledge, there was also one in New Zealand where there were people um, who were protesting against uh, the incarceration of Indigenous people. I would say we're seeing these conversations happen in countries with a colonial history. And I think that's actually really important to recognize. We're seeing groups of people who, you know, tend to be Indigenous or Black, who continue, and if you look statistically, like, face, you know, higher incarceration rates, all these inequalities. We're not seeing these conversations happen in different places. So the conversation of police in a pride parade in a place that doesn't have that history would look very different. Uh, We also know, you know, this complicates things even more. To my knowledge, in, like, Poland, for instance, there's been, like, a huge backlash against pride marches. Uh, in Russia, we know that there's, you know, laws that um, anti-gay so-called propaganda laws. Um, th- th- I've always thought, what would it look like if police were to hypothetically march in a parade or, uh, in, in, like, China or Japan one day? Would it, would, would, would it be as contested? And I don't know, and I wonder if the history, you know, determines that. And I think at least the conversation that we're seeing in Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, um, they, they do share that colonial history, which I think matters because um, a lot of the groups that are, you know, critiquing place are drawing from the inequalities that people of those communities still experience. And it all comes down to colonialism. Always. Sure. <laughs> Always. It, it complicates does. things. It, it definitely does. Uh, well, uh, definitely uh, looking forward to what you're going to research next, and I think it's an important, uh, an important subject that... Uh, definitely could use some more discussion in, in uh, broader audiences. So uh, thank you very much for your work, and uh, we'll be eagerly awaiting what else you discover in October. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on the show. It was our pleasure. Uh-huh. You've been listening to Out and About in Canada on CFRO 100.5 FM. Uh, I'm going to play a track by Ketronata. This is Oh No featuring Estelle. listening to Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 CFRO. We are a non-commercial station bringing you voices and stories and perspectives you probably won't hear elsewhere. We are supported by members and by donations. You can become a member by going to our website at www.coopradio.org. If you like what you hear but don't want to be a member, that's cool too. You can still help by clicking on the donate arrow at the top right of the website. Co-op Radio thanks you for listening and for helping build our community of listeners and you know I need your love, you know that home's over me, as long as I got your love, you know I need your love.
listening to Out and About in Canada on CFRO 100.5 FM. We're back. Hello. Uh, hello. Um, I hit the I hit the table again. How dare you? You oh, should know better. I know. I know better. I know better. Um, that was a very good discussion. I was like, I couldn't. Here's the thing that happens in my brain is that yes. when I want to say so many things at once, my um, ADHD just like ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ADHD with a that, bit of dyslexia. That's what, that's what it is. I mean, it, they both run in my family. Well, well, but yeah. the ADHD seriously kicks up into hyperdrive and I can't find words. And I'm just there like trying to formulate things and then I sound like a child. But that's okay. It, it was, uh, it was, I don't know, that was, uh, that was a very good discussion. Very, very interesting topic. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've kind of heard like people shouting from both sides of that argument and uh, to actually get uh, someone who's done some research on you know and actually interviewed people on both sides and, and kind of uh, summarized summarized it very well mm-hmm. I think I think and and you know what like let's just be honest there's um, people are right on both sides yeah progress has been made but there's still lots of people left behind and um, that's I think the the important part yeah, it's very, we can't leave the other people behind, you know? Yeah. L- large swaths of the community. <laughs> we can't focus on the gay white cis man. Yeah, unfortunately. And, and you know what? And that's the thing. And, and it's, it's not meant to be uh, like an attack uh, or, or anything, but it's like, you know, again, the, 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 the homonormative. Because, again, when I read it, I was just like, light bulb. Mm-hmm. Boom. And it was like, and I'll be honest, it's like, hey, there's certain characteristics of myself that's like, you know, I will try to focus on these things because they're more palatable. Palatable, in, that's the word. In, you know, the in in heterosexual communities. And people understand that. It's like, you know, that's why I like, for me, it's easy to, you know, yeah, I'm gay, but I love sports. I love, like, I love basketball. You're a and, man's uh, man. Yeah. And so, like, you know, focusing on, on those things um, because people get that. And they and they understand that, um, yeah. They're comfortable with it. They are comfortable with it. They are comfortable with it. Um, I think w- one of the other things that uh, I-, I would say is was interesting is like, hey, it seems so far like a lot of the um, shouting has has been at cross purposes, and people aren't actually listening to each other, and um, you know, trying to find a middle ground would be nice. Um, and I think the compromise that they found so far of having police march with um, t-shirts, with t-shirts, you know, that's good. Like they're still, you know, one of the arguments I heard was was oh, they're like oh, you know, they can't, you know, if the, if they're gay or, or lesbian or, or whatever, and, and they can't march and show pride that they're you know, that they're also a police person. I was like, you know, there's other ways to do it without uh, triggering others, right? And that's the... That's fair to say, yeah. Yeah. This is why I really want to want to get the point of view of a queer officer. Yeah. See oh, yeah. how they feel about be it. Very interesting. Also, how are they able to be a police officer? <laughs> yes, yes, a challenge in many industries. I have a new favorite song, and I want to <gasps> play it again, even though I played it last week, but we're going to play it again. No, do it, do it. I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you do. Except I lost it. Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Okay. Am I allowed to play it again? Why not? Oh, okay. Sweet, sweet. Uh, this is. We are a radio show. They repeat songs all the time. All the time, and people don't know. Uh, this is Dies Me by Herd. My heart is on the road, but this demon's here at home, and I promise you that I will do better. So 
Turn the whiskey into life, learn to run, but I can't hide, and I promise you that I will do better. So take me home. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Good night, everyone.